Hello, and welcome to Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. We work with those organizations to break through revenue ceilings and realize the business growth that their companies are capable of when they get their people firing on all cylinders. We believe that every business person has a unique voice and a unique angle that makes their business successful. And those are the kinds of movers and shakers that we interview on the show. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest in about 30 minutes. So let's jump right in. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Transforming Talent Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. It's my pleasure to have on the show today, Lauren Puffpath from Feed Media Group. She is the COO, president, and co-founder of this organization. And I know we're going to have a great chat. Pre-show, we talked quite extensively about how they're managing their remote workforce. But even more interestingly, she's going to talk to us about something they use called the adaptability quotient. I'm intrigued. I hope you will be too. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks. So happy to be here. It's a real pleasure. So talk to us about this adaptability quotient. I think that's probably a new term for some of our listeners. What do you define it as and why is it so important to feed media? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about IQ and EQ forever, and and the latest kind of buzzword is AQ. And it really, it's just about your aptitude for successfully navigating change. How how do you not just react, but proactively navigate change? And it's extremely prescient at the moment. Everyone's going through a lot of change in their businesses. And it's something that I've been really talking to my team about, I think I'm actually a little bit of a broken record with them about it, but not just sort of what it is and what does it look like to have a high AQ, but also how do we improve it over time? And so what have you seen or what actions have you been taking to assess your people's current adaptability quotient? And then Mm -hmm. how do you measure that going forward with trainings or things that you're doing Mm -hmm. to help that? Yeah, you know, some of it's hard to quantify because it, it is partially just sort of anecdotally, like how do we accept and embrace change? So there's the concept of a change curve. It's the okay. Kubler-Ross model. It's similar to the grief curve, which we've, sure. we've all heard of, right? And so you sort of work your way through shock, anger, bargaining, confusion, and then you get to acceptance and then ultimately problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so as we face change in our business, whether it's the macroeconomic climate or specific customer issues or product issues or whatever it may be, and monitoring how quickly do we get through to the problem solving phase of that. And, you know, we're, we really are focused also on a learning culture and feedback, open feedback, as hard as that sometimes can be, and doing retrospectives on all of our big projects, like really trying to be very clear-eyed about what worked and what didn't. And so that combined with it's changed, let's accept it, let's move to problem solving has, I think, helped us, at least in the last several months, be feel like we're being more nimble and reacting more quickly to changes that are happening. Sure. And when, when you see the, you know, let's put the 
the events of two years ago in the pandemic as a major change behind us. Right. What are you seeing in, in terms of your industry and, and for our listeners, uh, your feed media is, is 100% remote. So that brings some, some unique challenges that I want to get to. Mm. But first, how are you seeing the, what are the big changes you're seeing in your industry or in your workforce that you're really having to keep your finger on to make sure that you can react appropriately to them? So yeah, so Feed Media Group, we're a B2B music solution. So what that means is we do all of the licensing of the music, the curation, we've got a team of musicologists, and then we stream it all, track it, pay out the rights holders. And so, so it's a B2B offering, uh, obviously, and what we're, we're just seeing folks are nervous across the board. So budgets are in question, you know, people are really trying to retrench a little bit you know, look at their cash balance, figure out not knowing what the next year or two years is going to look like. So, so there's that just this sort of general nervousness, I would say around budgets in the, in, in the world. And then, you know, from the employee perspective, we are fully remote. Mm -hmm. Um, We're, we're results only work environment, meaning we focus on what you get done, the quality of the work, not where, when it happens. And uh, we're actually, finding that to be incredibly helpful for us at the moment with, you know, for individuals also feeling some uncertainty sure. and having the flexibility to move if need be, thinking about cost of living, et cetera. So I think it's actually been, that's been quite helpful for us from a talent perspective, but the tricky part, as everyone knows, is when it comes to all of the benefits you get from collaboration mm-hmm. and the ability to really build a strong culture. Like those are the, those are the two. Right. Top- and so have you been fully remote since Feed Media's inception? We've actually always been hybrid. We're originally, the co-founders are all based in the Bay Area. So we've got a, a kind of Bay Area contingency mm-hmm. here. But, you know, hiring engineers has always been a challenge, right. especially locally. We're competing against Facebook and Google and Apple. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've always, um, we've always been kind of hybrid, but since, March 2020, essentially, we've gone fully remote. So mm-hmm. I can talk a little bit about how we're trying to manage that, if that's helpful. Yeah, please. So, you know, the, especially, so we hired a lot of new folks in 2021. Mm-hmm. A lot of them actually had never met each other. And so, you know, we have found a lot of value in getting the whole team together okay. as frequently as possible. Unfortunately, it's not that frequently, but at least once or twice a year, getting everyone together and spending okay. three or four days is important. Additionally, you know, trying to find ways for the smaller groups to get together more, at least quarterly. So for engineering, for example, they met up in Austin a couple months ago, that whole team spent three or four days together to just bang stuff out and solve problems. So there, so there's whole team, there's smaller groups. And then, you know, for those folks who are local, we have co-working spaces available? Do you want to just meet up? For instance, we do once a month in San Francisco, whoever's available at that time come together. So try to find ways to make it work for everyone, because I'm sure you've heard this many times, as much as, you know, we've sort of self-selected for folks who want remote work, Mm -hmm. that's that's who's interested in in what we offer. And as much value as that brings to people, there is still that missing collaboration piece. Zoom is very transactional. You get right. it done, you get, you know, you share your slides, you're off for the day. And it's just so hard to get those serendipitous moments of connection. Mm-hmm. 
So we're working to find ways to do that virtually. Nice. So when you have your, your regional or departmental interactions that are live, mm-hmm. what do you find when people go back home, so to speak, what types of things are you hearing from them about that live experience? Mm-hmm. There are just big, hairy problems are easier to solve in a room. It just, for whatever reason, when you've got the whiteboard and you're, you're like the just pinging ideas off of each other and the, the way things bubble up from that, it, there is, it's, it's such a, it's so hard to pin down exactly what it is, but it's just easier to work through really big challenges that way. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, obviously there's all the nonverbal communication that you get from being in the room together. Um, but, but I think almost as important, it's just, just getting to know each other. Really, and the um, you know the disembodied head is now a full person, and you see a picture of their kids, and you understand, or you go to lunch together, and you know just the, it's the combination of I think ease of problem solving plus the human connection piece. Sure, sure. yeah. So you mentioned something earlier that intrigued me, and I'm hoping that it perked up some listeners' ears as well because you mentioned that your culture is very results-based. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think that, that that's an area where when, when I help organizations design, say, their comp and their incentive programs, I like to preach, you're paying for results, not for time. Right. How does that translate to success for Feed Media? So it's a it's a hot topic right now, I find, amongst a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, and it does involve a lot of trust, right? So you, we have found it's in a lot of ways easier to hire more experienced folks when you're, when you're in this sort of results-only work environment mode, um, because they don't necessarily, when you're early in your career, you sometimes need that in-office interaction and you're learning by osmosis from people. And so this isn't necessarily scalable for long term, but we found that more experienced folks, it is a little bit easier. But really what it comes down to is extreme clarity on success metrics Mm -hmm. and deliverables and just like things that you could sort of walk up to somebody and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, is this getting done tomorrow? It doesn't work that way anymore, right? So so we leverage OKRs for, for general team deliverables in addition to group KPIs. So there's just kind of our ongoing evergreen. This is what you're responsible for. This is what we need to get done this quarter. And then OKRs are about how do we change, build, and improve. So we're this is our first year of mm-hmm. using objectives and key results. It takes time to iron it out. We're getting better with each quarter. But I have definitely seen improvement in our ability to all be sort of marching to the same beat in terms of each of the individual team's objectives, which then directly flows down to the individual and their particular success metrics. So, yeah, I, you know, I think the two things that we're really trying to focus on again is culture of learning, being really frank and honest about things that didn't work and extreme clarity on ownership and metrics. Sure. Sure. And when you look at your, your managers of people. Yeah. I've heard a lot of the, the challenges, obviously, of managing a, a remote workforce. Mm-hmm. What do you find 
that keeps your manager successful as you're going through this transition and, and how you're measuring the results by individual and team? What's been some success stories with your managers of being able to make that happen successfully and keep everyone on track? Well, it's actually a very timely question, and I would love to pick okay. your brain about this as well, because we are right now in the process of overhauling our performance management process and system mm -hmm. for all of our managers, because what we've found is that we need to be better about more frequent feedback. There should never be any surprises, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The annual review should never be a surprise. So like I said, we're in the process right now of really kind of overhauling our approach, but what we're excited about, and I'll have some better metrics on this in the next couple months, is really working on that integration period, that first 90 days, pretty frequent check-in, bi-directional feedback, right? Like, how is this going from your perspective? Is this what you is this what you're expecting? Then once a month, in addition to weekly one-on-ones, once a month doing a more focused session that's both, again, bi-directional feedback. What do we what do you need from me as a manager? How are things going? And then also the focus on that career development piece. So making sure that those check-ins around the longer term for the employee are happening once a month. Mm -hmm. A six-month check-in and then which and then finally the annual review, which would include some 360 feedback. So what we're trying to balance is the the rigor, the frequency, but also not making it burdensome for our managers right. as well. Like how do we make this just part of the flow and you get into it and the templates are there and it's simple. Uh, I wish I don't have success stories yet because we're right in the middle right now, but certainly would love any input or feedback. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the foundation you've built, right? I mean, one of the, the things that performance management has taken a hit on over the years is, oh, it's the once a year sit down and it doesn't really mean anything. And I'm like, well, if that's all you're doing is you're filling the form out once a year, well, no wonder it's not working. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's got to be some focal point if you're tying your performance to a merit increase or bonuses or something. Yeah, there's got to be some point in time where we're sitting down filling in the numbers. But if that's the only time to your point that we're sitting down and now you're surprising me saying, well, Ed, you really let me down six months ago but you didn't talk to me about it six months ago. Right. How can we, that, that conveys that it really wasn't that important. Right. So, so there is the, the timeliness is key. And I love the fact that you're approaching it in a very informal way. Today's employees, you know, Gen Z's, they want that. They want that the constant touch. It's really interesting. You know, as an Xer, we were like, just leave us alone to go do our jobs. And then millennials came along and said, well, we'd like, you know, a little bit more touch, but it's okay if it's remote touch and, you know, through texting and stuff. And now the Z's are like, no, 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 come hold our hands. It's okay. Yes. So it, it's interesting. And, and I'm curious. So you've got your techies on the engineer side. I would also assume being in the industry and you've got some creatives as well. We do. Yes. So is there a difference in the perception of your techies versus your creatives in how they're being managed and that that high touch but informal touch environment? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the engineering team, and I hate to generalize, everyone's an, an individual, obviously, but right. you know, they are the 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 amount of communication that they have together is uh, I would say far and above any other team. Daily stand-ups constantly like the progress of their work we're, we're an agile development shop so there we're two week sprints we know every day how far how close to the goal are we against that sprint so there's a, a lot of communication 
it has traditionally all been very uh, results focused versus how is your collaboration? How are you, you know, working together with your teammates, right. et cetera. And so that's, that's relatively new for them. And so we're working through that too. Like, how do we do this again in a way that's, that you're going to be receptive to the feedback versus, you know, we do have a team of curator, music curators who are both analytical and creative, which is very cool. Right. Sure. I love that. They're a lot of fun to work with. And yeah, it's a little bit, um, uh, I think more of a known quantity in terms of how they want to be communicated right. with this stuff. Right. So yeah, we're. I think that's again where it comes down to management training as well. So as we roll out this new program, we're not just saying here are all the docs have at it. Right, right. we're going <laughs> to a fair amount of time with both the managers and the employees, making sure they understand what we're doing moving forward. Like this shouldn't just be you know, this shouldn't be a surprise again to anybody. Right. We want to make sure it's super clear and all, all the training is included. So formally on the performance, managed strategy, performance mm-hmm. management strategy, also doing some unconscious bias training, training around giving and receiving feedback. Mm-hmm. And that is not necessarily a natural thing for everybody. That's right. So talking through that and then some specifics for the managers who will run the process. So you know, it's going to be intentional. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really cool to hear you say the the receiving feedback, because so often um, I'll have a client say, oh, Ed, you know, we, we need our, our supervisors need to get better feedback. Can, can you come in and work with them? OK, but what are you doing with the feedback they're getting? And usually I get the, the puppy look, right? You, know, you get that crooked, crooked look on the head. And I say, so if we're giving feedback as a management team to our people, if we want true communication, then there's got to be some feedback coming around. Otherwise, it's one way and we don't know the message has been heard. Mm-hmm. And so we need to pull feedback out of people and then process it. And that skill is every bit as important as mm-hmm. how we as, as managers give that feedback to, to begin with. It's not easy. It takes work. I mean, especially as a founder, this is my baby. And I'm trying so hard to create a great employee experience, but not everything works, right? And so I have to listen take that back in. So we did an employee experience survey in Q1 of this year, in addition to our employee NPS scoring and got a ton of great feedback from people around what they'd like to see, what's working, what's not, and then took all of that. And that informed all of our employee experience initiatives throughout the rest of the year. And are really trying to remind people, hey, we're doing this. You asked for it. Like, let us know. Is it, you know, is it something you you still are, you still think is important because what's the point of asking for the feedback if you don't take any action, right? Yeah. What was the biggest thing? So that's, that's pretty cool um, that you're doing an employee experience survey. And the, the reason I say that is because that's different than an opinion survey, right? And everyone's doing opinion surveys. And, and I think they're kind of, you know, two decades ago. Um, I, I'm, I've been preaching about this concept that we're in the experience age. People want to have work experiences, um, they, they want to, and especially, and it's hard in hybrid and, and remote work environments to have a really cool work experience, but it's not impossible, obviously. And so what was, what were some things that came back on that survey that you were like, dang, that's a really cool piece of feedback. And we got to jump on that. So lots of great process stuff just around how we communicate and making okay. sure that people are really clear on progress against OKRs and company objectives. And we've always been extremely transparent about 
revenue, you know, performance in general with the team, but I don't think we were as good about checking in and sharing back that information on a regular basis. So that was helpful. Some cool things that were actually very easy to implement, like the idea of on Fridays, we do a virtual water cooler, which is just show up 30, 40 minutes. Sometimes there's a structure around it. Um, I I admit, unfortunately, I missed last week's, but it was a kind of a music trivia, just some fun, like- Okay, that's cult. not even fair. You're in the music business and you're- I know, I know. Well, <laughs> but the questions were really hard. It was like, call your bluff. Is this a real genre of music or not? <laughs> and, you know, things like that, where people were just craving, like, again, because Zoom is so transactional, could it be cool to just like hang right. out and take the breeze a little bit? And so that, that was something very easy to implement. Sure. Also coming out of that, we uh, started the culture committee which is self-selected, raise your hand if you want to be a part of this group. They are responsible for a handful of events throughout the year. Also at our company retreat in August in Santa Cruz, they gave awards to various other coworkers for embodying our culture and various things from our culture. It was so incredible. I definitely cried. It was just amazing to see the culture come to life that way and for peers to recognize each Mm -hmm. other. So that's been really special. So there were a lot of, frankly, a lot of easy-ish things to implement that feel like they've made a difference. Yeah, it's it's so fun to hear because culture is a hard thing. So hard. And, and I often yeah. refer to it as an amoeba because it's always moving and we're always trying to figure out, you know, how what's it, what's the shape today? What do we have today? Mm-hmm. And the fact that, that and, and I want to stress this because I, I, I just think it's that cool. And I want to stress this for the listeners is that what I heard you say is this was a self-selected group mm-hmm. of people that said, hey, we care enough about our employment experience and what's going on at Feed Media that, that we want to impact this. Mm-hmm. And so often I hear that it's the business owners or the management team trying to force whatever vision of a culture that they have onto their people instead of saying to people, what kind of culture do you want? Mm-hmm. And provided it's not a, <laughs> a problematic culture, gosh, let, let's let our people run with these things and, and the, you know, the, the allow them to plan the events and do the things that, you know, we think we're doing the right thing by them, but gosh, let them do it and, and see what happens. It's, the results are amazing. So it, it makes me giddy to hear your story. Oh, it was really special because it is something, I mean, part of the reason my co-founders and I started a business was we had been in toxic environments in the past and we wanted to be really intentional about bringing together a group and, it's, it is very hard. What is culturally to your point? Like it's very hard, but we've really been working on it for a long time. And so to see it sort of take off on its own through the employees and the team members vision of it was extremely special. And, you know, we also right around the same time, re kind of rediscussed and re re um, envisioned what our team traits and our core values are. And they didn't change a lot, but I felt like it was important to get this expanded team, you know, we went from 10 to 40 in the space mm-hmm. of about 15 months, like let's bring everybody into the process. Yeah. And where we landed uh, were three things. So we tried to boil it down. So the first is own it. It's about being, you know, taking ownership. We are, a, you need to be autonomous to some extent because sure. we are fully remote and you're responsible for your results, right? So mm-hmm. own it. 
Evolve is the second one. We are really trying to focus on creating a culture of learning through, again, this bi-directional feedback, retrospectives, being really honest with ourselves and continuing to grow. And then the third one is be kind. Like we're, we're here together every day and it doesn't mean we'll always agree, but let's you know disagree with respect for each other. Yeah. yeah. Tell each other truth compassionately. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And so, so those three pieces you settled on as a result of the feedback from the entire team when you went through your kind of core value exercise. That's right. Yeah. My, I have a wonderful people ops manager who went sort of took in, you know, survey feedback from folks, but then went on a listening tour, like talk to me about what's important to you. And then we worked together to synthesize all of that. That's incredible. Yeah. That's you're, you're very fortunate to have uh, a people person that is that uh, forward thinking mm-hmm. and, and willing to, to look at things from different angles than the traditional model of HR in a business. Um, I think the traditional model needs broken. Yes. Yeah. What would you want to fix first yeah. in the traditional model? Uh, that, that HR, and you see this in the media, right? I mean, HR is, is viewed as uh, the, the old uh, redheaded stepchild, right? Well, let's put them over here. And, and, and uh, like, I think about the office and poor Toby, right? And, and Michael Scott just hated Toby because Toby was always trying to get in the way of progress. And you see that depiction in media repeatedly. And, and so there's, got, there's some truth in that. And mm-hmm. I, I hear stories from, from CEOs and executives that, Ed, you know, HR is getting in the way of us mm-hmm. doing what we need to do with this business. How do we fix this? Mm-hmm. And, and some of it comes down to, I think, the types of people that are in HR and the skill sets. Um, but also, I think it's what our expectations need to be of HR, that, um, yeah, there's this compliance thing we got to worry about, but we're not the, the compliance police. We're not the party planners that, <laughs> that we have to be thinking strategically about how we contribute to the business through all of our people initiatives. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, then then therein lies the problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, we very much think of it as it's a support role in a lot of ways. So how do we create a really great people experience? How do we make sure we have the right people on the bus? And then how are we helping them grow their career? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I think, too, to, to add on to that analogy that, that I've challenged some of, of my clients with is, well, what, do you, what are you going to do invariably when you're on the bus, you started up, you're ready to go, but you got this employee who hasn't gotten on the bus yet. Mm-hmm. You know, sooner or later, the bus has to leave the station. So are you, are you willing and ready to leave that person behind? Mm-hmm. Or is there some way you can get them on the bus in a productive manner? And that, that can be a very tough decision to make. And then you can take it one step further. And by the way, I'm not advocating violence with this one, but yeah. what happens if you have the employee who not only won't get on the bus, but they're standing in front of it? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they won't let it leave the station, right? What do you do in that case? Again, the bus has to leave the station. So at risk of sounding violent, I mean, <laughs> you run the person over in the process. I mean, that's, those aren't things that um, any business owner or founder can, can take lightly. And yet we've got to make those decisions of, well, if you're, if you're going to inhibit my ability to, to grow my business and be successful, then I'm not going to run you over, but I've got to leave the station without you like that. That's just, that's the only choice. 
it's really hard, you know, especially with a smaller business and really intentionally choosing people to come into the fold when you do have to make those decisions. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. We've had to, unfortunately. Yeah, every business does. And, and you know, there's a whole book called Necessary Endings. It's written about sometimes it's it's better for both sides, really. Right. Have those things. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of going back to the ongoing feedback conversation, you know, that we're, I'm trying to create the opportunity for employees to talk to their managers about where they want to be and what they want to do, even if it doesn't include the company. Mm -hmm. That is hard. I think for, so Gen X and those of us who have sort of grown up in different cultures in the workplace, that's, that's new. That feels weird. Yeah. Find that my younger, like some of the Gen Zs and millennials, it's a little more natural mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, you know," and this is a true story. I want to go sail the world mm-hmm. for a couple months, and would love to come come back in a you know advisory mode after that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's <laughs> let, let's help you with that dream. Let's see yeah. what we can help you with that dream. Yeah. I, I mean, I see it, and, and those kind of honest conversations if you're able to have them speaks volumes about the culture that you're building. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was working uh, the other year with a corporation on their succession plan and the person that they had tapped, unbeknownst to her, had, had tapped her to be the, the next executive director. We were sitting down, she's like, Ed, I don't want that. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's, she yeah. says, I, I love marketing. It's, it's in my blood. I don't want to run the whole ship. Said so my next step is leaving for a, a larger organization where I've got a bigger marketing budget and a bigger marketing staff and I can do more. Mm-hmm. So I'm back to the executive team and said, okay, you guys have a problem. <laughs> you know, but that was the result right. of why am I the one learning this as the outsider? Why right. don't you guys already know this? Right. No, that's fair. Yeah, and it's it is it does take a lot of trust to be able to have those conversations. So we're it's a process, but we're working on it. That's excellent. Was as we're, I mean, we could keep going and I want to respect your time and our listeners' time. I commit to that half hour window. Lauren, um, I'd like you to share with the listeners as we close out a little bit about Feed Media and, and what you guys do. And, and if they need your services, how, how do they find you? Yes, absolutely. So B2B Music Solution, that sounds a little bit vague, but what it means in practicality is that if you want to share popular major label music with your audience, we will do that for you because it is actually not an easy thing to do. So if you think about digital fitness and mm-hmm. lots of folks have seen Peloton in the news over the last couple of years, yep. <laughs> lots of lawsuits, some of them music involved, music related, that's the type of thing we help our customers avoid. So really, you know, so music licensing, the curation of it, how do you sift through all the stuff coming out and actually play the stuff that your customers want? Mm-hmm. Most of what we do is digital. So it's in-app digital fitness, et cetera, versus you think of, you know, retail and the back there. So, so we're more focused on the app ecosystem and helping people license and stream music there. We're at feedmediagroup.com and we have several different product lines that you can peruse from there. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, our role is both, if it makes sense to service these folks who are looking to share music with their customers and, or just do some education because, Licensing is very opaque for whatever reason. It's it's just not an easy thing to figure out. So we really are trying to help folks figure out what's best yeah. for them. That's cool. And it, it's it's it sounds to me like it's a needed service out there. Again, you you highlighted some of the, the challenges that uh, various industries 
have with, oh, I'm just going to grab some music and put it on a playlist. And yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. No, it's funny. It, if those of you that are listening and, and not viewing, when I said that, Lauren's eyes got like really big. Don't do that. Don't infringe. If, so if you infringe on copyright, then you are not only going to get sued, but then you will be in a terrible position to negotiate for using music moving forward. Yeah. So yeah. advise that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Lauren, thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, this, this has been an awesome discussion. I could certainly see us reconnecting here uh, in the future as Feed Media continues to grow and sharing your wisdom and insights with the audience. I'd love to keep that, that door open if you're open to it. Absolutely. Thank you. I could talk about this all day. So I really appreciate your time. Excellent. Excellent. Well, everyone, thanks again for, for tuning in. And thank you, Lauren, so much for, for joining and, and sharing your wisdom uh, of what it's like to, to manage a remote group uh, who's not only techie, but creative. And, and my big takeaway from this is how involved Lauren's employees are in the fitting of the culture and fitting that culture into their employment experience. So that's the takeaway from today. Talk to your people about the culture they want to need to make their employee experience what they need so that they can be the best they can be for you. Until next time, I'm Ed Crow, your talent transformation expert. We'll talk to you again on the Transforming Talent Podcast. Hey, Ed Crow here. Thank you so much for listening to today's segment of Transforming Talent. If you're a business owner or executive of a business that's on a revenue freight train that you're not sure how to control, or maybe you're butting up against a revenue ceiling that you don't know how to break through, we'd love to have you on this program. Please visit my website at edcrow.com slash speaking slash podcast to apply. Now, for our listeners out there, if you got something out of this interview and you'd love to share it on social media, please go ahead and do so. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, and post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag TransformingTalent. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to my website, edcrow.com, where you can follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.